you have your Bibles with you, please open them to Zechariah chapter 3 as we continue looking and walking through Zechariah. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, in the blue Bible, that might be in your pew there, I think it's page 462, that is what you'd be looking for. If you don't have a Bible at home, I really encourage you to take that one and bring it home and with the only request that you read it. All right, so let me ask you this question. Have you ever felt as though you couldn't get clean? Maybe you've gone to work. Uh, I remember back when I was in college, I did landscaping, and no amount of water sometimes during the day that you wash your hands. There's no cleanliness. It, it was like you're taking your hands into your, your life into your own hands as you ate your food uh, because you just couldn't get clean. A few, for a few years in a row, I actually uh, spoke up at a family camp for, uh, for the summer or for a week, and I would bring my family up to family camp, and one of these things would be this, is that uh, you just couldn't get clean. It didn't matter what you did. The whole place was sand, and the sand got everywhere. It didn't matter where it was there. Uh, it was everywhere. It was in your beds. It was in your clothes. It was everywhere. No matter how many showers you had, you just could not get clean. I actually have this picture, which I thought about putting up, but uh, it's a picture of Caleb from the week. And he's maybe three or four at this time, and it's just his face, and it's, it's black. Because um, not only is it dirty, but I think he was sweaty and at one point, you might have been crying during the day, and he was just dirty. And there's no way. I remember, like, our feet would just be so dirty that it didn't matter how much you scrubbed it in the shower that morning. You just could, it was just so dirty. How have you ever felt as though you couldn't get clean? You know, as I look and think about that question, as I look at Zechariah chapter 3, the people of God were very much in that same situation. They, had, they, they were dirty, and they had no ability on their own to get clean. They are looking at themselves, knowing that there is no way that they could clean off the guilt that is in their life. They were guilty. Plain and clear guilty. They had sinned against the holy God, And they were guilty of all of those things. They were dirty, dirty. So in Zechariah chapter 3, we have this. Another vision, another night vision of Joshua, about Joshua, the high priest, given to Zechariah. So if you have your Bibles, follow along with me, starting in verse 1. It's a lot shorter this time, so this is great for me. So let's read the word of the Lord together. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. 
So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my way and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge over my courts, and I will give you the rights of access among those who are standing here. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are a sign. Behold, I will bring my servant the branch. For behold, on the stone that I have set before you, Joshua, on a single stone with seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts. I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, everyone you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. And this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for the chance we have to continue to worship you as we open your word. Lord, we do pray that you are indeed glorified as we continue to seek to exalt Christ, not only through our singing, but of the reading and the preaching of your word. Lord, I pray that you are indeed exalted today. Dear Lord, I want to preach so that you are glorified. Lord, I can't do this on my own. So by your spirit, help me to preach this sermon with what is needed. Use this sermon, God, to bring glory to your name, joy to your people, and salvation to the lost. And amen. First thing we want to look at in verses 1 to 3 is this, that being accused and then defended. Being accused and then defended. You know what's not fun? Being accused. You know that's not fun, right? You know what's even worse? Is when you don't have anything to defend yourself on. Ever been there? That's exactly where Joshua is right now. You can picture it in your mind. You can paint the picture. That's what Zechariah is doing for us. And then he says this, Then he showed me Joshua on the high, the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. You can think of a courtroom. That's exactly what's happening. I had to think back to all those Law and Order episodes to picture this for myself. There's Joshua. There's the angel of the Lord who's going to judge. He's standing before him. And Satan is on his right hand. Just like the prosecutor would in the court. And he's standing there to accuse him. See, Joshua the high priest was the key leader in this post-exilic period. He was responsible for ensuring the people were pure through sacrifice. But here's the problem as we see later on. Here's Joshua who's representing the people of God, but he himself as a representative is dirty. So not only is it just him, but it's the people together. They're filthy And he stands before this judgment, this position of judgment. He's standing before the angel of the Lord. And he speaks. You notice something that happens here? Joshua is completely silent this whole time. And he has nothing to say on his own defense. His mouth isn't moving. The angel of the Lord doesn't even deny the charges. Did you even see that? Just pure silence. Spurgeon said this, Truly, dear friends, 
I think I got the quote up there. Truly, dear friend, it says, if Satan wants to accuse us, any page of our history, any hour of any day will furnish him material for his charges. Yesterday, you were impatient. The day before, you were proud. Another day, you were slothful. On another, angry. Oh, what a den of unclean birds the human heart is. If the old accuser wants reason for accusations, he may indeed find as many as he wills and continue to accuse as long as he ever he pleases. For we are all together as an unclean thing. I think that pretty much sums up what Joshua is feeling at this moment. And if you're honest with yourself, that sums up you too. You're standing before a holy God with sin in your life. You have rebelled against him. You are a sinful person and you don't have a foot to stand on. And the person who comes to God who's even thinking about making an argument of some kind is just going to be every amount of evidence in your life from every thought you've thought to every desire that didn't line up with God's desire is there for him to see. There's no secrets with God. And in verse 2, and the Lord said to Satan, I love this, okay? If, if, if you could read this on your own, and if this doesn't proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, I don't know what is. So Satan's standing at his right hands to accuse him. Joshua's quiet. And Satan has all the evidence in the world to accuse you, to accuse Joshua, to accuse me. In verse 2, And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. Exclamation points are meant to be read, by the way. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. In other words, the Lord God stands up to Satan and says, Shut up. That's exactly what's happening. I rebuke you. I rebuke you. Joshua says nothing, but there is another who will. You and I have nothing to say to Satan's accusations. We are sinners. We are guilty. But this angel of the Lord, whom we know as Jesus Christ himself, can reply on our behalf. And he said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan. As he continues on in verse 3, we see why. Joshua is standing before God because he is unclean to be in the presence of a holy God. Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. You know, it's interesting here. Oftentimes you see this word used in the Bible. Uh, Paul talks about our good works being as filthy rags. And we don't really understand the meaning of that word until we actually get into the original language of it. Filthy here in the Hebrew means closed Covered in excrement. Poop. He's dirty as dirty can be. He's not work dirty. He's not like playing in the dirt dirty. He smells dirty. He looks dirty. He's dirty. And he's standing before a holy and pure God. And this is our dilemma. 
We are all guilty of what the Bible calls sin. Sin is transgression of God's law. And none of us has loved God and others as Christ commanded. We are sinners by birth and by choice. We have violated the law of God and stand condemned before him. We have filthy rags as our clothing. He cannot and will not leave sin unpunished. And just one violation of his law is sufficient for judgment. God's eternal judgment for all guilty lawbreakers, which is called hell. But, you know, some of the most significant words in the English language are three letters. But, the story doesn't end there, as we will later see on. Jesus comes in our defense, to our defense, to Joshua's defense. He is the one who stands up to Satan's accusations and turns them back upon him, who, as was prophesied, crushed the devil's head and feeds him dust to eat in frustration. That's that's Genesis 3. Right at the onset of sin permeating like a cancer, like a poison into humanity. God sets out his rescue plan for you and for me in Genesis 3 and foretells about how Jesus Christ will come and crush the head of Satan. The Lord rebuke you, he says, not because we are innocent, but for two reasons that are given here. The first of which is this, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. The rebuking comes on the basis of God's election. God's promised affection towards Israel isn't based on how much they are worth. God would restore and bless his people simply because he has chosen them. It was never based on the people's righteousness that God accepted them. It was on their own It was on his own love and grace. We see this back in Ephesians 1, right? In verses 4 and 6, it says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us as for adoptions to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purposes of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us, in the beloved. Use this rebuke when you're afraid. Think about it. If God has chosen you, and if we have turned to Jesus in faith, it is only because he has chosen us, then that alone is sufficient to fight any doubts in your mind. It is not by your works that you are saved. If it was by my works that were saved, I'm going to be constantly living my whole life wondering if I did enough. Christ's death is enough. The second thing is this. God plucked them from the fire. The fire being the exile. God has called his people out of exile and is bringing them back into the promised land. God has saved the Christian as burning sticks snatched from the fire. We're all destined to hell outside of God plucking us out. If God has shown mercy to Joshua, God will indeed save him. Why in the world would he show mercy and not save him? 
Because the gospel continues on. Jesus Christ, who is God the Son, came into the world as a man to live a perfect life, perfectly obedient to all the commands of God the Father, and to die the death required for the punishment payment of our sin. On the cross, Jesus, Jesus took, on the cross, Jesus took the punishment we deserve to, to set us free. Three days later, after he was cruci- three days later after he was crucified, Jesus Christ rose from the dead, defeating sin and death, and earning eternal life for those who trust in him. His resurrection has got the Father's approval of what Christ has done for us on the cross. What an amazing thing we see here. We see a judge, we see a courtroom, we see the accuser all standing there and Joshua being quiet. There's no amount of anything that he could say or do to make him right, to make him clean. He is dirty. There's nothing he could do. And God comes along and he rebukes the accuser. Folks, how often do we live throughout our lives believing the lie Believing the lie. If you got to be in the Word. The only way you can counteract any of the lies that the accusers are sending to your way is to, to, to combat it with the truth. There's no amount of any sort of medication or counseling that will do that. You have to be in the Word of God. Along with those things as well. It's because of how God has chosen and plucked Joshua out of the fire that the Lord gives this next command. We see this, being cleaned and clothed and sent out. We see in verses 4 to 7, being cleaned and clothed and sent out. On what grounds can God accept a sinner like Joshua? Because even though God has plucked him out of the fire as a burning stick, We know that if you put a stick in the fire for a little bit and you take it out, even though it might stop burning, the stick is still dirty. It's charred. On what grounds can God accept a sinner like Joshua and those he represents? We just look at this first answer. God has chosen them and plucked them out. And God has brought him out of the fire, but he still is charred. They are still dirty. And we see this in, in, even in Exodus 28 to 29. We see that priests had to be clean. They had to be clean and holy. Their garments had to be clean and holy in order to come into the presence of God. But Joshua is still dirty. So how can God relieve this priest with his soiled clothes? In verse 4, And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. That's Romans 3, 23 to 26. That's Romans 5, verse 1. This is a picture of the removal of sin. Behold, he says, I have taken your iniquity. I have taken your guilt caused by sin away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. Don't worry. If you're like me and you're wondering what is vestments, I had to look it up in the dictionary. Vestments are fancy clothes. Clean clothes. Royal clothes. Because in his coming as incarnate Savior, he has contracted to do this very thing, taking his people's sin upon himself at the cross. The New Testament talks about 
what happened when Christ finally came and took up the cross. He says this in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took our filthy rags and put them on himself, receiving in our place the punishment that our sins deserve. Christ says to all who believe, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you. As Paul says in Colossians, He forgave us of all our sins. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. This is Christ's reply to Satan's accusations. And when our conscience receives Christ's testimony in faith, Satan has nothing left to accuse you of. In verse 5, Zechariah comes and he says to the, to the people replacing the clothes, he says, give them a clean turban. And clean turban is, is, is now this idea of being reinstated as a high priest to represent God's people. Here is this man who's clearly dirty. He could not represent God's people in his presence. But God gives him clean clothes and reinstates him. And then he gives him this charge in verse 7. If you will walk in my ways and keep my charge. As Joshua is cleansed, he is now commanded to serve. We see this in Romans 12 verse 1. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. By God's grace and through the cross, Jesus cleanses and clothes his people with a righteousness that is not our own. Joshua is not accepted by God on account of what he has done by all the good works. I'm sure he was a great leader that brought all the people across that crazy desert all the way back to the promised land. I'm sure he did great things. But it's God who cleanses them. He is cleansed and forgiven as an undeserved act of God. Having been cleansed, he is commanded by God to not just sit around and to to accept that great and amazing gift to get his bum nice and cozy in the pew. But he's sent out as a commission as well. He's been cleansed and commanded to serve. See, when we don't see God's grace of forgiveness, it can lead to a few things. It can lead to pride, because we think that we can do it on our own, and you can't. It can lead to insecurities. How could God ever use me? I'm not cool enough. I can't speak well enough. I can't, I'm not good looking enough. I don't know. Put it in there. Insecurity is paralyzing. Or you have those ongoing feelings of guilt. All of these things can be paralyzing from me and from you from serving, can't they? 
If I don't focus on the grace of God, I'm not reminded that I'm not reminded of how it's not my strength that things are accomplished. It is by the strength of God that things are accomplished. We'll even see that in Zechariah chapter 4. Not by will, not by might, but by my power, saith the Lord. There's my King James Version. But God's grace focuses, takes our eyes off of ourselves and puts them on Christ himself and enables us to serve in such a way. There's only one there's only one cure for each of these things, and it's the gospel of grace. Whatever accusation Satan can bring has been silenced for those who trust in Jesus. Joshua has been cleansed, he's been clothed, he's been commissioned. In Christ, we have been too. But Zechariah is not done yet. There's this amazing promise that comes out in verses 8 to 10. There's, there's a being given a promise. In verse 8, these men will be a sign of what is to come. Joshua isn't the branch. They will be a sign that God will bring to the future Davidic king that was promised. This is about the Messiah. This is about Jesus Christ. And in verse 9, on a single stone, God will remind him, remind Joshua the promise to remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. Well, that's what Jesus does, right? In one day. And in verse 10, we have this amazing thing, a picture of the future. In that day, declares the Lord, that day when God will atone for everything, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. What an amazing picture of peace and prosperity. Isn't it? Just think about it. Just chilling under your fig tree, your vine, drinking the juice of the wine. I'm just saying. And you're inviting your neighbors over for the barbecue. There's no stress. There's no worry. There's prosperity and peace. And you're inviting other people into that. As people who have experienced this cleansing that Joshua sees, as people who are now at rest with God, we should naturally go and invite people into that relationship too. Under his vine and under his fig tree is where there is peace and prosperity and paradise. Why? Because of our iniquity has been taken away. We are now clean and can be in the presence of God. This is why we even do this soccer thing. It's not because we just want to give kids another excuse to not be inside and not playing video games. If that's the reason why we're doing it, then that's not a good reason. We're called to invite people to declare the good news of Jesus Christ. And God may use that faithful proclamation to call people to himself so that they too can sit under their own vine and fig tree. For us, this is all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So what? Who cares? We stand before God accused. 
But through Jesus' death and his resurrection, we have been cleansed and sent out. Just like Joshua, we are unable to clean ourselves from the sin. Just like uh, me and, and family camp, if you know me at all, I hate being dirty when I can be clean, okay? Like, I don't mind doing landscaping and getting in dirt and stuff, but after that's done, I like to go home and get clean. It's a whole week of just being dirty. But just like Joshua... He couldn't clean himself from his own sin. He is helpless before a holy God. But thank God he sent his, the branch of David, the Lord Jesus Christ, whose death cleanses from sin to all those who trust in him as their substitutionary death that he does on the cross. So three things. One, we all stand before God dirty. You are guilty. If you come before me and tell me you're not, you haven't heard this. However, God has cleansed us through what Jesus has done for us on the cross. The Lord has mercy on Joshua and the people, and his angel rebukes Satan and does not permit him to bring charges against Joshua. Did you also notice that? Satan doesn't even get a chance to talk. Not even. It's like he's standing there and he's like ready to do it. He's like grinning. You know that evil grin? You know, if you're a parent, you see your kids do it all the time. And God's like, no, this isn't happening. Be quiet. God graciously provides not only that, but with Joshua with a change of clean clothes saying, I have taken your iniquity away from you and I will clothe you with pure vestments. God takes away the high priest's sin and gives him righteousness. Instead, of accepting him and the people so that he can be accepted and, and, and in the presence of God. The angel of the Lord then charges Joshua if he will obey God and avoid evil and faithfully fulfill his priestly duties, he will have authority in the temple and direct access to God in the presence of the heavenly court. This is why we have our pulpit table square that we talked about at the beginning of the year. It helps us focus on these things. To gather together as a church to exalt Christ as we spend time in his word together and we sing songs. To gather in community to remind each other of these truths because we desperately need each other to remind one another of what God has done for us. We desperately need that. And I don't need any Oprah Winfrey slogans. I need the word of God. I need to stand and understand that God has removed my filthy garments from him. And to him, he says, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. I need that. I need that today. I need that every day. I need to be reminded of this. And I need my brothers and sisters to remind me of this. And you do too. You need this. To understand that you've been chosen by God, that you've been plucked out of the fire, that not only all of those things have happened, but that he has removed the filthy garments, that he has justified you, that he is sanctifying you, and that he is regenerating you. We need these things. And the third one is this. Because of what Jesus has done for us, it compels us to go out. 
The truth also sends us out seeking to have biblical conversations to share the good news that we have come to know and to see more people know those truths. We want that, right? What an amazing thing that we see through this. We stand before God accused. But through Jesus' death and resurrection, we have been cleansed and sent out. What an amazing truth. The Lord rebukes you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angels clothed with filthy garments. Now Nathan was standing before the angel of the Lord with filthy garments. Now Dave, now Rob, And the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove those filthy garments from him. Remove them from Brenda, April. Remove them. And to him he said, behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you. I will clothe you with pure vestments. We stand before God accused. And through Jesus' death and resurrection, we have been cleansed. And not only just cleansed, but we've been sent out to declare this great, amazing news to other people. Let us pray. Father God, we just thank you for today. We thank you for the chance we have to just come and to worship you. And Lord, I pray that we would see ourselves in lights of who you are and what you have done for us that we can't stand before you on our own, but that we've been saved by your amazing grace. Lord, I pray that that would also send us out, that it would cause us to serve with grateful hearts, to worship you with grateful hearts, but it would also send us out to proclaim your good news so that we may see other people coming to know you as their Lord and Savior. And amen.